Welcome to the Mental Dietitian Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Lynch-Potter, just a guy who's trying to live a great life and learn the best way to live it. This show is for the everyday human being that feels exactly how I feel, and every week I'll be bringing you weekly episodes on how to get better mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and financially, so you can have a great mental diet. Welcome to episode 64 of the Mental Dietitian Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Lynch-Potter. Welcome back to another episode. This one is episode 64, top five books that will change your life. I did a story on my Instagram. If you're not following, Aaron Lynch-Potter, type it in, A-H-R-E-N-L-Y-N-C-H-P-O-T-T-E-R. Follow me. I will interact about my podcast on that from time to time to get ideas, inspiration, things like that. I asked a question. I said, what is the thing that you heard about more on podcasts? I left a little message box. And the number one thing I got was best books, best self-help books, best self-development books, some version of that. Let me preface this. Books are amazing, are an amazing tool. They're an amazing tool to look inward and they use as a Anything you can reference to and constantly go back to, as long as you implement them, as long as you implement them. I used to be one of those people that thought that doing my work was just reading a bunch of books. So I got very head knowledge. I was very smart in my head. I knew all these concepts, but nothing in my life was changing because I wasn't really implementing what I was learning. It's all about integrating lessons you learn into your life. It's all about changing your behaviors. And if you don't change your behaviors, then nothing changes. You just have all this head knowledge. You get the dopamine hit from finishing a book or learning about a concept, but it doesn't change anything in your life. So I really want to preface this episode with that perspective because you just end up becoming a really smart, dumb person. What I mean by that is if you're really smart because you know a bunch of stuff, But you're dumb because you're not implementing any of it, which is kind of just as good as not knowing any of this stuff. Because if there's no real world application in your life, you're not integrating into your life, then what's the point? What is the point? So that is my preface before I go into these top five books that have changed my life that I think that if you applied what you learned from these books, you'll learn a lot. So, number one, and it ties in perfectly to what I was just talking about, is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I have read this book, how many times have I read this book? Two or three times. There's a lot of meat and potatoes in this book. And it's really the best book I've ever read, which teaches somebody how to develop a new habit. Like, at the actual blueprint of how to develop a new habit how to stack other habits together that complement each other. The biggest thing that I learned from this book personally is number one, you have to change your identity. And I've used this analogy before and I'll use it again because it's a great way to explain in a little story, in a fun, easily digestible way, how identity forms all of your habits. So there's two people. They are both trying to stop smoking cigarettes. And they have a friend that asks them, different friend, 
Like, hey, hey, Bill, would you like a cigarette? No, thanks, man. I'm trying to quit, responds Bill. Bob gets asked, hey, Bob, do you want to come, come grab a cigarette with me? No, thanks. I'm not a smoker, says Bob. Now, Bill, the first one, his identity is still tied to no, thanks. I'm trying to quit. Through the words he said is he still has an identity of being a smoker. So he still identifies as a smoker. Bob, on the other hand, says, no, thanks. I'm not a smoker. He has, with those words, communicated to you that that's not part of his identity. He is not a smoker. So coming from that place of, I've, I've spoke about this in detail before, many episodes, but I, it's, a, it's a message that I think that keeps needing to be repeated into people because it's a great reminder. And that is that if you identify as a healthy person, you have habits of a healthy person. You drink lots of water, you eat good food, you get good sunlight, you have good relationships, you go and exercise consistently. That's a healthy person. If you are somebody who is not a healthy person, your identity and your habits will be tied to that thing. So he talks about in this book, that he has a concept called cue, craving, response, reward. So the cue, for example, say if somebody drinks every day, they drink, um, they drink alcohol every day. Yes, so they, they maybe have a drink after work every day. Their cue for their drinking habit would be finishing work. The craving comes after the cue. So the craving would be finished work creates craving to have a drink. Then there is the response. The response is actually having the drink. That is the response to the craving. Then there's the reward, which is the feeling of maybe you don't worry about anything. The, the feeling whenever you feel the relaxation, that's the reward for that cycle. But if you can understand that cycle and when the cue kicks in, which creates the craving, there's different things that people can do. And he breaks down a literally a followable, followable, I think that's a word, blueprint on how to create better habits and why. Amazing book, highly recommend it. Number two, I've also spoke about this book before and uh, it's, it's such an amazing book. It is The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life by Boyd Vardy. This is such an interesting book because it talks about life and following one's path in a different perspective than I'd ever heard or understood from any other book. And it's coming from the path of being a tracker in your life. Like he grew up tracking animals. And he learned how to become a lion tracker uh, on his reserve called London Lucy in South Africa. And when they track a lion, they have no idea where the lion is. They don't know. The only way they can find this lion is by following the next track in the sand or the mud or wherever that track is. And they have this saying, and it's, it's, a, it's a deep theme in this book. And the saying is, I don't know where I'm going, but I know exactly how to get there. I don't know where I'm going, but I know exactly how to get there. 
when I first said it, I was like, What's I don't know where I'm going if I don't know exactly how to get there. How does that even make sense? That makes sense because you may not know exactly where you end up, where you're going to end up, because you never really know. But by following that next track in life, whether or not it's, hey, you got this job interview, hey, this thing, kind of, this opportunity kind of opened up for you to travel here and do this. That is life showing you the next track that you should follow. Sometimes when we feel lost in life, which is like, oh man, I just don't see anything right now. I just don't feel like I'm drawn to anything. When they're tracking line, they go back to the last known track that they can confirm that was the line that they were tracking. Then they can see where they went wrong and hopefully find a track after that and get them back on the trail. So it's just an amazing analogy for life is that, hey, you don't have to have it figured all out. You don't have to have exactly it all figured out. All you have to do is follow the next track to where you think you want to go. Amazing book. Number three, a book that I've read probably over 10 times. The reason why I've read this book over 10 times is anytime I feel a lack of compassion for people or a lack of connectedness with people, it's usually compassion because sometimes in this in the sales industry I'm in, you can get sick of people's stories you can lose compassion, which which doesn't help with being a good salesperson. It doesn't help. You have to be compassionate. You, I believe you should care. There's a lot of people that don't care about their clients at all, but I've found that clients will sense that. And this book is The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. This fun little story, probably you can probably read it in two hours, and it's written like a story but it's got a beautiful message where he talks about the five stratospheric laws of success. And what these laws are is basically there's a young man, he's a, he's a go-getter. He's a go-getter. He goes and gets stuff. He's at this big corporate office. He's trying to make it happen, trying to get these quarterly results, trying to make money, trying to be successful, and views the world through a lens of that, hey, i got to go get after it. The more that I get, um, the better. Uh, if if somebody's getting more than me, it takes away from me. Kind of this very reductionist kind of doggy dog kind of world. He then has the opportunity through somebody he works with to meet a mentor for lunch. And this mentor is going to teach him the five stratospheric laws of success. And the only agreement is he has to apply each one of these laws the day that he is taught it. Otherwise, he cannot show up for lunch the next day. And the meetings come to an end. By the end of the book, I'm not going to give it away too much because it's an amazing story, but I'll read you the five stratospheric laws. Number one, the law of value. Your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. So how much more you give will determine, sorry, how much more you give in value rather than how much you take in payment measures your true worth. The law of compensation, number two, 
your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. This law is very interesting because it really helps understand that somebody like a firefighter or a teacher or a nurse that is doing very morally good things, why don't they get paid as much as somebody who plays in the NHL or the NFL? Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Well, more people know who these people are, these NHL players, these sports teams, these rappers. And whether or not you see them as serving or not, they are serving whether or not it's through music, entertainment, whatever it is, they are, They are, which is about to lead into number three, the law number three, the law of influence. Your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. So your income, number two, is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Number three, the law of influence. Your influence is determined by how many how abundantly you place other people's interests first. So somebody who's obsessed with watching sports is very interested in it. They get value from it. Therefore, they feel served because it serves a need to be entertained or whatever it is, and, and a connection to bond with their dad, watching the sports, growing up, whatever it may be. That is why these people get paid so much money, not because what other people do, like a nurse, a doctor, a firefighter, is morally better it's because they have more eyes on them they see more people and they influence more people law number four the law of authenticity the most valuable gift you have sorry the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself your greatest asset is you your greatest asset is you and your story if you can harness that you can do amazing things Number five, this is the law that a lot of people have a very hard time with. The key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And this is the law of receptivity. And in this book, at the very end of the book, he said, to give and give and give to other people and not expect to receive is like, let's, let's do it together. I want you to take a breath in. And just keep breathing out. Just keep breathing out. Keep breathing out. I don't want you to breathe in. Keep breathing out. Keep breathing out. Keep breathing out. That's ridiculous, isn't it? You can't just constantly breathe out. You have to breathe in. When we breathe out, we breathe out CO2, carbon dioxide. What does carbon dioxide feed in this world? Trees. They take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and create what? Oxygen. So us giving our CO2 allows us to receive through our inhale oxygen. So to you know, you know these people, you've met them, the people that are constantly giving and you try to give back to them and they're like, no, thank you. I'm good. Oh, I don't really, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. You are shutting down that flow of you are actually re re refusing the gift of love. If somebody wants to give, give you something or give you something or give you an experience or something like that, you are shutting down that flow. And that's actually quite selfish because you're shutting down somebody's want 
to share and give love to you just as you love giving and sharing with others. So that analogy of breathing in and breathing out is our giving is the trees receiving and their giving is our receiving. And that's how the world works. And that's why, yes, you have to provide value and do all these things, but it's insane to think that you will not receive from it. But you have to be mindful that you're not giving to receive. The giving is actually just giving because it's a value and you know that the more value you provide in the world, the more abundance will come back your way. So they, they are the main lessons I got from The Go-Giver. Amazing, amazing book. Tiny little book. It's written like a story. You'll highly enjoy it. If you've read it before, go pick it up and read it again. Number four, this book is amazing. It's a pretty heavy book at times, but it allows you to really understand that a lot of disease comes from stress and a lot of stress comes from how we were brought up as children and how that affects our lives and this book is when the body says no by gabor mate gabor mate has been studying trauma for about 50 years he has worked a lot with a lot of people on vancouver's east side if you're in vancouver you know exactly what i'm talking about east hastings it is a crazy crazy thing to see when you first see it it's it's a lot. There's a there's a lot there. There's open drug use, terrible amounts of trauma, hundreds of people who are homeless. It's not cool. But Gabor Mate has basically taken a deep dive into trauma and counseling people with traumatic situations, whether or not it's some kind of abuse, some kind of neglect, some kind of something like that, some kind of trauma as a child. And he has a quote, which is very interesting. He said, not every, not every person with childhood trauma becomes an addict. Not every single person. But every addict that he's ever counseled or done work with, and it's tens of thousands now, every single one of them had some kind of childhood trauma, which he can relate back to that the drug or the substance, whatever it may be, is not the problem. People are like, oh, it's a drug problem. These people are addicted to the drugs, and the drugs is the problem. He flips the switch on this, and he says that it's actually the solution to the problem. And the problem is, is the pain that they feel in this current reality is so unbearable that they reach out to something else, like it could be heroin, it could be alcohol, it could be people-pleasing, it could be whatever, it could be food, it could be sugar, it could be marijuana, it could be whatever. There's soft addictions and hard addictions. And what can happen is when, when people have these things that happen is that, say if they try heroin for the first time, that's the first time they've ever felt love and freedom in their whole life. And they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. So that drug is actually the solution to the problem, which is the pain they're in. And he talks about in when the body says no, he talks about the hidden cost of stress. And he talks about all these different illnesses, whether or not it's cancer, ALS, all these different things that with studies, with medical studies, that you can trace back to repressed emotions. And repressed emotions come from obviously not feeling safe to express these emotions or some version of stress, or some version of holding something within your body and not letting the natural flow of emotions 
and things to flow how they are supposed to. Fascinating book. Highly recommend it. I've listened to it. It's good to listen to. I haven't read it. I listened to this book, but it's a great audio book, and I'm sure it's a great physical book. So that's number four. Number five. I couldn't leave this book out because it is a timeless classic, and it can be a little bit hard to read sometimes because it's over 100 years old. But that book is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. This book, when I read it, I was probably in my early 20s. I first started my sales career. I was in network marketing at the time. And it just gave you really great tangible ways of obviously how to win friends and influence people, how to connect with other human beings. One of the biggest things that people struggle with is how do I develop relationships with people? How can I make this ride through life as, as great as possible but you have to deal with people the entire time. Like you have to deal with people, whether or not it's at the airport, whether or not it's um, a credit card company on the phone, whether or not it's you're financing a vehicle, buying a house, your wife, your kids, your mom, your brother, your boss, your coworkers. You have people around you all the time. And if you have strategies and things like using somebody's name, certain tones of voice, pausing in conversations, creating silence, active listening, all these tips he goes into great detail in, in how to win friends and influence people that really help me start having tools to navigate conversations with people when sometimes I felt stuck, I felt awkward. I was like, how can I, like, this doesn't feel like I'm connecting with this person. Like, how, like, what is going on here? And I realized I was most of the time making it a lot about me and how I felt and like, well, I'm not connecting with this person rather than being like, well, if I just take an interest in this person and, and genuinely interested in what they have to say and listen to them and feel like present with them and use their name and all these little things that people really appreciate, it drastically changed my life. It drastically changed my life. It's one of the reasons why I'm a great communicator. I can articulate my thoughts. I've done this podcast is because I really started getting obsessed with humans and how they work and how they think, which has led me to the point now where I'm really studying trauma and why people do what they do. After reading hundreds of books, I realized that a lot of this stuff, that's why I prefaced this at the start, a lot of this stuff is great, but you need to make sure you are implementing these things and you come stuck with some of these things and you'll bounce up against these stories that you tell yourself. You'll bounce up against things, whether or not it's making a habit change in your life. You're like, oh, maybe I don't deserve that. Well, that could be your trauma. That could be a deep belief that you are not enough exactly how you are, which maybe you felt or created within yourself because that's what these beliefs are. We created them. And then other people have enforced those beliefs or added to these beliefs, whether or not it's your mom said you weren't good enough or your dad said you wouldn't good enough or that's how you took it or at school or a teacher or whatever. These things that have happened, these layerings of a story that we have within ourselves, these books will allow you to come up against that. You will bump against that, especially when developing a new habit. You might be like, Why? Can I not develop this simple habit? This is so simple. It's because you don't think you're worth this habit, which will create an abundant life, which will create a better life for you. 
which will then allow you to maybe start doing your inner work onto why you don't think you are this way. So that's why I preface the start of this podcast with that, hey, you got to implement it. And when you implement it, you will bump up against the things and the stories which are keeping you stuck in your current paradigm, which is what's supposed to happen. It's part of your journey. You are supposed to do that. You are supposed to come bump up against these things and break down these walls and these stories that you tell yourself because a lot of them you created and a lot of them are not true. A lot of them are things you created which are holding you back from the very thing you want most, which is freedom, peace, bliss, amazing abundance in your life. So hope this helps guys and girls and whoever's listening. Top five books to change your life. These five books have changed my life. And there's so many other books I can recommend. But hope this helps. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Mental Dietitian Podcast. If you found any value at all, please share this with a family member or a friend or just a guy or a gal walking down the street, just anybody at all, if you feel like it could help them and benefit them from the conversations that we're having. It would mean the world to me if you could also leave a review. It helps grow the show. It helps the algorithms. And I also do love connecting with my listeners. So please reach out to me on social media. The best way to get a hold of me is through Instagram. Our Instagram handle is Aaron Lynch Potter, and that's spelled A-H-R-E-N-L-Y-N-C-H-P-O-T-T-E-R. Thank you so much once again.